The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Boy, the NBA never lacks for drama, does it? James Harden. James Harden back in the center of drama, which is, it's not funny, really. It's its a little sad for the Rockets, but we, we kind of knew this day was coming. The question really wasn't if, but when. And I thought it was going to be later. I'll admit I was wrong on this one. I thought this uh, was going to sort of slowly plod along and then you know at some point along the year he was going to get moved somewhere because you know Houston's fielding offers they want to make sure they get the best stuff for him but boy Harden really bumped the uncomfortable barometer or whatever we were calling it before the uncomfortableometer that thing is at a 12 out of 10 right now after James Harden got thoroughly dismantled, his team also, but he in particular, thoroughly dismantled by the Lakers' defense for a second consecutive blowout loss to L.A. And he took the podium and said, it's unfixable. It's unfixable. I've done everything I can, but it's time to go. And then John Wall took the podium and said, are you serious, dude? Nine games? You're going to jump off a cliff after nine games? Well, obviously, for Harden, it's more than nine games, so I will defend James on that regard. He's been there for quite some time. They came very close to getting over the hump. I've, I've lost track now of how many years ago that was with Chris Paul and the Warriors battle. That was a healthy Chris Paul year. Is that three years ago now? Who knows? The years, they when you play fantasy, they all run together a little bit. So, yes, it's the culmination of many things for Harden. It's not nine games. It's not going three and six to open the year. It's not the fact that they're 0-3 on the road. And it's not even the fact that they got just obliterated by the Lakers in two consecutive games. Just completely smoked by Anthony Davis. LeBron James pulling one out of the Al Bundy book of tricks and shooting a three-pointer, and then turning around and celebrating before it went in. Nick Young tried it, but he missed. It's the Al Bundy move. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, Al Bundy, of course, is the uh, main character of Married with Children, played by Ed O'Neill. And there's an episode, and it's it's still to this day tickles me. Al Bundy goes bowling, and as soon as he rolls the ball, he turns to the people behind him, pumps his fist, yells, Steve Reich! Before the ball strikes the pins. It's a strike. Every time it's a strike, except the one time. LeBron did that yesterday. Canned a three-pointer while staring at his bench, looking the other direction. Anthony Davis just annihilating everything the Rockets tried to do. The Lakers crushed them. And then James Harden decided it was time. This is as far as he could go. This was as many weeks as he could be a good citizen this year. Which, mind you, started late based on the excused or unexcused absence, the late arrival, the training camp coming into into, uh, the season wildly out of shape. There's blame to go around on this one, but boy, James Harden does not come out of this looking all that great at the moment. I, I think he's played his last game 
as a rocket. I don't know how you make that comment and then, you know, for one, you'd have to ask your team to forgive you for making that comment. It would There would have to be a mea culpa. There'd have to be a, I'm really sorry, guys. I was It was the heat of the moment. We just got destroyed by the Lakers, the team that, you know, bopped us out of the playoffs, dismissed us again, just sort of flicked us aside like a bug. And I was mad, and I didn't mean it. But that's not happening. I mean, that we would presume the team would take him back if, if it got to that point, but I don't know that it ever will. And right now, let's not forget, I mean, just based on what John Wall said, like the other guys on the team, they couldn't just not say anything about it. Wall was clearly offended. He's been in Houston a month. Like, I've been here a month, dude. Seriously? You're not going to give us even a month to try to figure some of this stuff out? Not even going to give us a month? Start, we all kind of started the season late because we had a COVID situation, group haircuts or whatever the hell was going on there. Kenyon Martin Jr. I think that was, right? Let me get that one right. Uh, so I think James Harden's done in Houston. I don't know exactly how fast this trade is going to take shape, but I can't imagine it'll be long because right now, massive dark cloud, dark cloud hanging over the organization. The longer they wait, the uglier it gets, and they're actually now losing leverage by the day because at some point, a trade deadline's going to come and go. It's still a little ways away from that, but other teams that are going to be buying on Harden, they want as many games as they can get out of one of the best scorers in the NBA, if not the best scorer in the NBA. Although, to be fair, if you have a great defender like Anthony Davis, you can play Harden pretty aggressively, and you saw what happened in the playoffs, you saw what happened in these last two games also. Someone made a joke on Twitter that he was ready to leave the team before moving off ball. And it's true, though. It's true. Like, he still hasn't figured out how to do anything when he doesn't have the basketball in his hand on the offensive side. There are limitations there. He's very, 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 very good on offense. Don't I'm not trying to turn this into the James Harden knocking hour. But there are some problems. And wherever he ends up, there will be some problems. Philly seems to make the most sense from a personnel standpoint. Uh, ben Simmons would presumably go back the other direction, reunited with Daryl Morey. Uh, he has a, a all-world big man there waiting for him in Joel Embiid and... Floor spacers and defenders. Danny Green, Seth Curry when he's back from COVID. Tobias Harris, who's not a traditional floor spacer, but can score, can shoot the three, can cut. He can do a, 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 a lot of stuff. Yes, that trade would hurt the fantasy value of Tobias Harris. As James Harden's going to take a hell of a lot more shots than Ben Simmons did. And if that trade happened, things would adjust quite a lot in Houston as well. Simmons slots in there. Everybody gets a little bit of a bump, I would assume. They have an opportunity to go very big if they wanted to. But we'll play this thing out. The one thing I'll say on that front, because we will talk about the, the Lakers-Rockets box score briefly here in just a moment when we do our uh, Tuesday night recap on the podcast. I haven't even introduced the podcast yet, but this was such a big storyline from last night, I wanted to jump right into it. The... The one thing I would recommend here as my piece of advice during this James Harden situation is if you're in a weekly league with a moves, moves limit, and most weekly leagues do daily, say weekly leagues, uh, if you're in a head-to-head -head league with a weekly moves limit, there you go, Dan, 
Say the words right. If you're in a head-to-head league with a weekly moves limit, save two moves until the end of the week. At least the weekend. Like if a hardened trade goes down on a Sunday and you had already used your moves up, you might just be screwed. But if you can save two to Friday or Saturday, at least give yourself that wiggle room in case a hardened trade goes down and you'll have a move or two in the tank that you can use as a result of it. If you're in a Roto League, if you had unlimited moves, then whatever. You do what you got to do. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball podcast. I am your host, Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. That's spelled D-A-N. That's Dan. That's an easy one. Bespris is B. That's like boy. E-S, like Sam. Boy again, R-I-S, Sam again. B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. Last night, there was a request put to me on social media. said, hey, do one of those threads you've been doing about what it's going to take to trade for or give up James Harden. So we did it. So that's trucking along on social media right now. If you're interested in some of the results, what people are saying they would be willing to give Harden away for versus what people are willing to pay to get him. I'll give you a spoiler on that one. There aren't that many pieces of overlap. Anybody trading Harden away right now still wants a first-round pick, as they should. Anybody trying to buy him is generally only willing to give up a second-round pick, as they should. But here's where this thing may come together. If Harden really does start to sit out basketball games, the teams that have him are going to start to get annoyed, more and more annoyed every single game that he's a healthy rest So if you're looking to buy Harden, if you're a riverboat gambler and you're getting into it in in this exact moment, you probably should wait because I don't think he's playing and the people that have him on their rosters right now, you guys don't know that for a fact yet. I could have had him in one league. I passed. Because I wanted, I I thought my my team build, and it's sort of a weird thing in the moment. I look back and I was like, man, I could have had James Harden there. Uh, I, I wanted to create a team build that was a little bit punt assisty and was brilliant at both percentages. So I thought, all right, I'll go Anthony Davis there. We'll get my rebounds, my steals, my blocks, field goal percent, free throw percent. You get all that stuff rolled together. And yeah, it's actually been a, a smart move so far, not just because Harden's been in and out of the lineup, but because that team is really good at both percentages, and AD's been a pretty key figure in that. But that's not the point. We don't want to talk about my team and this stuff. This, this is about what we should be doing about James Harden, and my my suggestion to you guys is start thinking about buying. Now, probably not today. I don't know that the news has sunk in to the point. You know, watching Twitter, you try to get a feel for how folks feel on Harden. I don't think that the annoyance level is high enough yet because he did play in that game yesterday before this whole thing happened. When you start seeing the missed games, which I firmly believe are coming for James that's when you can probably throw throw out a buy offer. Start of the show is a good time for me to remind you. Well, it's not the start anymore. We're 11 minutes into this thing talking about exclusively James Harden to this point. Uh, the roughly start-ish of the show is a good time for me to remind you guys that we are bringing on blurbers here at HoopBall. That's the recruiting pitch of the week. I don't know how to say week in French. Du jour five times. <laughs> That's the recruiting pitch uh, of, of this of this week is we have recruiting slots which are effic- effectively starter points 
It's a starter point. It's for those of you that have not worked in sports before, or if you have, I mean, it's fine. You can get in that way. But it's generally for folks that can write a bit, but have never done the sports side, are big into fantasy. You guys want to make that leap over to the analyst side. That's where you begin is on blurbs. You're monitoring the news and you're turning it as fast as possible into fantasy digestible nuggets. It's what powers the HoopBall Fantasy Twitter feed. It's what powers the uh, hoop-ball.com newswire. So if you think you can do it, if you think you can handle it, tweet at me, at Dan Vespers, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. I already got a few entrants from yesterday's recruiting pitch. We'll keep that going all week long. We got a few open blurbing slots. And then if that goes well, if you're great at it, if you get good, that grows into articles, could grow into premium stuff. There's a whole uh, hierarchy to this thing. So hit me up. That's our recruiting pitch at the front end here. Thank you to everyone yesterday that went out and got a monthly pass. You guys are incredible. Let's keep that going. The Fantasy Pass, $4.99 a month. That gets you the Discord access, rest of season projections, live video Q&A shows, uh, 9-cat and 8-cat numbers. You've got a schedule grid. You've got depth charts. You've got streaming calendars. The whole deal. That's all in the Fantasy Pass DFS Pass is $1.99 a month, which is straight up nuts. And then the Wager Pass, which I'm having a lot of fun with getting back into my sports betting this year, is $9.99 a month. And I've said this before. I know that sounds $10 sounds like a significant number. Most handicappers, individual ones, if you scour the internet, sell one play for $25 to $30. This is stuff from seven hoopball analysts for an entire month. Seven analysts for an entire month. So you're getting generally between 10 and 20 plays a day. You don't have to play them all. For 33 cents that day. Somehow, I'm 39 and 39 in plays so far this year, but we're up three units because we've won more big ones and lost more small ones. And then, of course, you lose the VIG over time. Uh, but I feel good about that. Just slowly, we're up a unit every week. If we won a unit every week, we'd be up 20 some odd units at the end of the year and if you know if you're betting ten dollars twenty dollars a bet that's 200 400 something like that so come along come along head to hoop-ball.com click on the premium tab get yourself a wager pass or a hoop ball 360 or a fantasy pass membership power the locomotive with us here at hoop ball and help us continue to grow tuesday let's do a recap miami philly zombie teams couple of uh, recognizable names out there. Kelly Olenek, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero were the names you might recognize on the Miami side. Joel Embiid, Danny Green, Ben Simmons, and Mike Scott, I guess. And Tyrese Maxey as of this week. The names you might recognize over on the Philadelphia side. Philly won it in overtime. My fear, of course, about this ballgame was that it just wasn't going to happen. But somehow they made it through. Both teams used only eight guys, and they went to overtime. <laughs> that's just like, that's a cruel joke. Kelly Olenek. Was wonderful. 15, 8, and 4, 2 steals, a block, 3 three pointers, 6 out of 12 shooting. Ugh, oh, beautiful thing. Duncan Robinson at 6 three pointers. Tyler Hero, who you were definitely using in this one, at 34. On the other side, Joel Embiid, 45 and 16. Danny Green had 9 three pointers, 2 steals, 2 blocks, double doubled. After he pooped himself in his first chance in a five game week, and I was like, oh my God, this is the guy I told you guys to stream? Well, he came back. Thank you, Danny, for making me not look like a dummy for two days in a row. Ben Simmons was was you know, kind of oddly bad in a game where they didn't have anybody to play. 
Weird. A little weird there. Tyrese Maxey, 16 and 8. You'll take it, although the percentages were not good, and he fouled out. And he's probably running out of gas a little bit. Philly could use some of their guys back, and they probably will get them, provided there haven't been any additional positive tests. From what we know right now, it sounds like Seth Curry was the only positive. Shake Milton, Tobias Harris, probably the two biggest names missing for Philly at the moment. And, you know, we haven't heard anything about their quarantine being extended. So hopefully they'll be back by the weekend. You're not making any large-scale decisions here. If Miami continues to be able to play and not have their games canceled, you know, you got a pretty good idea of what's going on. Precious Achua, worth a grab. Big men, it's sort of easy to get stats. Gabe Vincent is one I'm probably not trusting as much. He had four three-pointers, but not a lot of peripheral stuff. So, uh, Olenek, Robinson, Achua, Hero, probably the guys you could trust on that Philly or the uh, Miami side of this thing. And with Philly... Keep an eye on it because their quarantine guys are coming back now pretty soon. They've had their kind of three, three-ish, three to four games missed. Uh, so dudes are coming down the pike. Denver and Brooklyn didn't go to overtime. Seemed like it was about to, but Brooklyn was able to surge past Denver, eliminate a large deficit in this game, and then win it. 122-116. KD was great, nearly triple-doubled. Joe Harris was very efficient. That's the beauty of Joe Harris. 15 points. Three boards, four assists, three steals, three threes, six out of nine shooting. It's it's an interesting note on a guy like Joe Harris because that line doesn't jump out at you as great. But on on a night with six ball games, he actually technically had the eighth best line of the evening. And you're like, Dan, how the hell is that possible? Well, it's because he went six out of nine shooting. shooting. Joe Harris is number 72 in nine cat right now on the shoulders of 53% from the field. It's very hard to get three three-pointers out of a guy without that guy negatively impacting your field goal percent. And instead, Joe Harris is actually a positive. You can play a little game with me here. See if you can find the guys in the NBA that are a net positive in three-pointers and field goal percent. The list is short. Kyrie Irving, if he ever comes back, is on it. Bradley Beal right now is on it because he's shooting 49.5% from the field. Michael Porter Jr. is on it. Kevin Durant is on it. Paul George is shooting 50%, although that'll likely come down as the season goes. I mean, some of the names you expect to see on this are just either they're not, they'll surprise you. Vooch actually is on that list right now. So, you know, you're talking about these guys, Jalen Brown. These are dudes in the top 25. And then you scroll down a little bit and you've got Joe Harris, who's like one of the only ones once you get out outside the top 25. So there is an inherent value there, especially a nine cat, to have a low turnover guy who gets you threes without hurting you in field goal percent. Jared Allen got worked by Nikola Jokic. She'll be better in the next ball game. They went to a Bruce Brown starting point guard thing, but and maybe that's worth exploring until Kyrie comes back, but I don't know that I'd bend over backwards for it. On the Denver side, J- Jamal Murray was very bad in this game. He had 20 points, but uh, little else, and they needed more. Bull Bull got the start with no Gary Harris, and it was not great. Will Barton woke up. 22 points, 3 steals, a block, 6 three-pointers. Is this the game that gets Will Barton going? It's conceivable. I still hold out a lot of hope 
for Will the Thrill. He started kind of slowly last year also. Uh, he's number 94 by totals. His minutes have bounced around a little bit. A blowout win in their last one, so they were a bit lower. But he, there's just still stuff he does that's not super easy to find on the waiver route, like threes, steals, blocks, some assists combination. He's absolutely worth owning still. Still. Um, and yesterday's game moved him back close to being a must-start guy. He's at number 120 after that big one. So, yeah, I'm still very much on the Will Barton thing. Utah blew out Cleveland. We didn't learn a whole lot from this ball game because the Cavs were without Andre Drummond. JaVale McGee is a streamer if Drummond misses any more time with a sore Achilles. I'm inclined to believe it was because it was a back-to-back against a team they knew was coming in hot and were just going to bludgeon them. But you never know. Drummond's a big dude. Achilles are weird. I, I don't know that I would pick up JaVale McGee right now. They don't play again until Friday. But if he's if we hear that Drummond is even questionable or a game time decision, I think I'd I'd pick up McGee and just in case because JaVale McGee playing over 20 minutes is a must start guy. The combination of rebounds, field goal percent, and blocks is just always useful in fantasy. And you know if they, if he plays a team that foolishly attacks the rim maybe more than Utah does, and Utah was just chucking three-pointers and they were all going in yesterday, JaVale could spot start and get you four blocks on a night. That's a big deal. I've seen Roto Leagues decided on the last day by less than that. Everybody was hot for Utah, so this was a good one to sort of get fat, except for Rudy Gobert, apparently. Donovan Mitchell was good in this one, which was uh, necessary because he's been... Frankly, kind of bad so far this year. He's number 102. Scoring still there. Threes, rebounds, assists are sort of all where they were, but free throw percent is down. Field goal percent is way down. He's got to get that fixed, and he will. He'll work his way back into that 50 range. That's where he ends up, but that's who he is. The The bigger story, I thought, for Utah was Boyan Bogdanovich finally having a good ball game. 20 points on 10 shots. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, is that sustainable? From an individual ball game standpoint, the answer is no. He's not going to shoot 60% every game. But that's not the right way to look at percentages. The right way to look at percentages is from a more macro standpoint, which is that he's been horrendous at shooting the basketball so far. 37% on the year, so there are going to be some 60% games coming to level him back out into that mid-40s range where I think we sort of know he's going to end up. He's a 46 percenter over his career. He's actually down in free throw percent also. Everything's down for Bogdanovich so far this year. He's, he's I don't think he's even a buy low. Like He's probably getting dropped in some leagues, and that shouldn't be happening. He should be on rosters because we know what he's going to be once this whole thing settles. San Antonio beat Oklahoma City, first game back for the Thunder after a very good road trip. They went 4-1 and one on the road and then were super sluggish coming back home. Just did, sort of didn't have it, particularly on the defensive side. Uh, Spurs only committed four turnovers in this game. Didn't shoot the ball all that well. Spurs missed a lot of shots, but it didn't matter because the Thunder were just sort of ambling along. And they didn't have that fire in this game. And that's something you can often bank on with teams coming back home. Curious who's playing for the Thunder in their back-to-back today, but we'll cover that when we transition to look at today's card. Rudy Gay back got back onto the radar with this one, um, but the minutes are too low right now. He's That number is actually trended down. LaMarcus Aldridge, slightly better game. DeJounte Murray's not been as good as I hoped he would be this year. He's, you know, he's getting rebounds, assists. He's getting points. 
His steals are not where I want them to be. That's going to have to be the thing. Otherwise, you know, Lonnie Walker, if you want a long stream here with Derek White out, that's a possibility, although he and Patty Mills sometimes split shots. Not so much the case in this one. They both got plenty. Uh, but Lonnie Walker, you could probably stream. Oklahoma City side, Hamadou Diallo rem- remains a guy we're kind of half-watching. His minutes are not big enough yet to make him a must-start guy. George Hill, 12-5-5. He continues to just dangle right at the edge of fantasy value. He's number 90 right now, which is very much a guy you should be starting. 51% from the field, 89% at the free throw line. That may be where he hangs out most of the year, at least until he's traded. So uh, still still a roto play, George Hill, this far into the season. And he's probably going to be owned in most leagues to this point because that, that type of production, boring though it may be, is useful. Not going to do much more with OKC. This is just sort of a down game for the Thunder. Shea was fine, not not great. Not, I mean, he'd been trending up. He'll be fine in the next one. Darius Baisley, he's going to have his percentages issues. Lou Dort, he's going to have his percentages issues. It's all that same stuff. Lakers Rockets. Uh, Lakers side is, is not super interesting from a fantasy standpoint. Kyle Kuzma actually double-doubled. That was a little weird. Marcus Gasol, I think, is probably the only name I'm watching. He's he's nearing a point here where he could actually have fantasy value in, I mentioned it a couple days ago, punt points formats. Because he's scoring four and a half points a game. But his other stuff is actually not that terrible. 88% at the free throw line, half a three-pointer, five boards, two and a half assists, half a steal, one and a half blocks. Like, there's... There's a path there, but you really need a specific build, and I don't think he's going anywhere, so it's not like you got to race out and do anything. Houston side was the more interesting one in this because, for one, like I said before, I don't think James Harden's playing anymore for this Rockets team. So while he's resting and before he gets traded, Eric Gordon's going to be doing a ton, and it'll probably be enough to overshadow his limitations. Once his usage gets high enough, that's that'll get him onto the right side of the cut line. So if he hadn't been at it already, Eric Gordon is an ad. John Wall is going to blow up. You might even see Ben McLemore play enough to hit fantasy value with Harden out. There's just going to be so much more to go around. And then the other note here, first of all, uh, not unsurprisingly, Christian Wood slowing down just a little bit after that ridiculous start. He's number 28 now. He's probably going to settle in that 40 range, if I had to guess. Looks really good. Looks really good. Excellent fantasy game. Uh, But, yeah, obviously started the year hotter than expected. The more interesting note on this one I thought was Boogie. Boogie got 18 minutes and is he looked good. Went 5 for 9 shooting, two three-pointers, 13 and 10 with a steal. He had three assists. He's a good passing big man. He'll usually get a block, but not against the Lakers. Nobody blocks the damn Lakers. They've they've turned the afterburners on a little bit here. Uh, And this is why you held on to Boogie. This is why, because he really does only need a couple of minutes to hit fantasy value. 18 minutes a game, he'll get you there. That's all he needs. It's the Nerland's Noel line. You know, we used to have the Marvin Thad line on this podcast, 30 minutes. The boring guys that will get you fantasy stats if they play 30 minutes. There's also this. This is the Nerland's Noel line. Guys that only need 18 minutes to get you fantasy value, and Boogie's on that list. So hold tight. I don't know. If Harden leaves, do they go huge 
What if they get Ben Simmons? They go Simmons, Wood, Boogie, Mega front court. I don't know. But if they're really trying to get Boogie up towards you know, the 20-minute mark, and some of this was blowout stuff. Maybe he logged a few extra minutes because of that. You know, Christian Wood's minutes were down because of the blowout stuff. But again, this is all you need. Indiana beat Golden State on the road. I was afraid of this ballgame. It just looked, the Warriors' side looked too easy. So glad, so glad we didn't bet into this one. Steph Curry was relatively cold again. Actually missed two free throws in the ballgame. Andrew Wiggins had five blocks. It was a weird one all the way around. But we're starting to see fantasy value kind of settling in for the Warriors. Now we know what to expect of this team. Kelly Oubre warming up a little bit. He's still outside the top 190, but he's coming around. Wiggins is number 87. That's probably around where he's going to be this year. And Draymond is starting to look like he's got something in the tank again. He's number 168 right now, but he's been working his way back into shape. 7.6 boards, 10 assists, a steal, no three-pointers, no blocks, but he actually fits the the sort of punt, well, punt field goal, punt points. You kind of need to be doing a couple, but he'll, he may get to that threshold. On the Indiana side, uh, Aaron Holiday finally had a good ball game. 16 points, 12 assists. He'd been really cold at this point, which of course meant his brother Justin was a bit quieter. Justin still is the better play, although if this one does wake up Aaron, you have to take note of that. I think he did more because of no Victor Oladipo. Watching the game, it seemed like it just allowed him a bit more freedom. Miles Turner, just incredible. Dude, look at that. 22-12, two steals and five blocks. Miles Turner's number seven right now. What a crazy turn of events that's been. But uh, nothing really from this game. No, no key ads or drops. We'll just sort of continue Jeremy Lamb watch to see when he comes back because it'll be relatively soon. We have a big Wednesday coming up, although we're down one more game. This uh, <laughs> I think it was going to be 10, and now it's down to 7 with Suns and Hawks now officially postponed, which, by the way, is a smart move. That game needed to be postponed because the Suns just played the Wizards, and the Wizards are, com- are completely decimated by COVID. I-, I don't know if maybe they were the, the, the starting point or if it somehow ended up with them. But this is a game that needed to be postponed. The Suns played the Wizards. There were exposures there. The Suns cannot play until we know if anyone on that team contracted it from Washington. So they need to be quarantining, which I assume they are now. Luckily, they likely flew home right after the game from the Wizards. So, you know, whoever was going to get it, that the, the exposures were there. So I don't think you have to worry about kind of a second round of exposures in that whoever gets it the Suns are quarantining now whoever gets it that should be it that those players will then remain quarantined and everybody else that didn't get it can just go back and play and that will sort of free up Phoenix so this is a really good idea the NBA is finally getting out in front of this thing after seemingly being a bit more reactive the last week, which was like, oh, there was one on this team, but we'll just rest that guy and anyone on that team that was contact traced, and everybody else will play. But that's going to miss any... If you miss one contact trace, and that person is is carrying it, you, you spread it to an entire new team, and it'll be... I mean, that'll get through the league in, in two weeks. So this is smart now. Finally, the NBA is getting out in front of it. Uh, cancel games from any team that played another club that had... 
a COVID positive player. Uh, and frankly, the fact that Philly's still playing is a total wonder to me. But I guess we're now at a point where they feel like the guys that are playing, they're clear. I think Philly should have been shut down with Seth Curry testing positive. They're, I, they're, to me, there was no reason why that team... I know that technically, but because of contact tracing, they had enough guys that were not explicitly exposed to Seth Curry, but that still seemed like a bad idea. And hopefully, that's not the thing that spirals it out of control. Although with Philly and Miami playing each other, it's like, who cares at that point? They're both beat up anyway. Uh, Eric Spolster, by the way, came out yesterday with Miami and said he wanted to tell everybody that his team was healthy, everybody is fine. So I think that's really more about uh, an exposure. And I don't know that anybody on Miami has actually tested positive yet. So that's sort of an interesting footnote on all of this stuff. We're going to break down the fantasy and betting ramifications of this upcoming Wednesday card right now. But first, a message from our buddies at mybookie.ag. As I've said before, please do check them out. They're a wonderful place to be placing your bets. I told you last week, I finished off that NFL survivor pool. Somehow, I made it all the way to the end with your collective help, listeners, Twitter, whoever. And a free entry, didn't pay a single cent, and won $125. Won $125 by just picking teams that were going to win NFL games. Didn't have to put anything on the line. You combine that, by the way, with all the odds boost stuff they did during the fall and early winter, and... My zero risk profits at my bookie are over $500 now. Many of you guys jumped on board with me at my bookie and put in like a $50 initial deposit, turned that into three, four hundred bucks at this point without ever putting a cent on the line. Isn't that crazy? Don't wait around anymore, people. Don't wait around for me to tell you how the last promotion went or how the last contest went. They run these things every couple of months. Make sure you're already signed up when MyBookie puts their next contest together so you can win $100, $200. And while I, what I'll also say is, and this is not me like trying to get you guys into Bitcoin or anything like that because I still don't fully understand it, but I do know that it's really fast to transfer money in and out using Bitcoin. I've been able to make a withdrawal with no problem. That used to be a big headache 10 years ago with online betting. It's not anymore. I can make my deposit in 15 minutes. I made my withdrawal in two days is how long it took. They just verified some stuff and then boop, out it went. Easy. It's easy. My bookie. You bet, you win, they pay. By the way, if you're going to sign up, please, please, please make sure to use promo code HOOPBALL over there. That's how they know who sent you and uh, how we can continue to have this nice partnership with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Again, promo code there is HoopBall. And check out manscaped.com, promo code HoopBall20. Get yourself a Shears, a luxury nail kit for 20 bucks with uh, 20% off and free shipping. So 16 bucks free shipping, luxury nail kit. You can get the lawnmower, the weed whacker. That's the ear and nose hair trimmer that they have there as well. Just use the lawnmower, by the way, on my neck the other day. I don't know if you saw me on our live, uh, our premium video show, but didn't you like the way that I didn't have a total neck beard anymore? I know you liked that because I look disgusting. And now I don't. Manscaped again, the promo code is HoopBall20. My bookie again, the promo code is HoopBall. 
All right, so only seven games tonight instead of ten. I'm sure most of you guys are looking at your fantasy teams and thinking, what the hell happened? But we're going to break him down anyway. Kristaps Porzingis set to make his return for Dallas tonight. I am, by the way, floored that Dallas is able to keep playing. Because Maxi Kleba ended up testing positive after all their other guys had to stay back in Denver. I assume they're still there waiting to see if any of them develop symptoms from whatever their first exposure was, or if some of them actually tested positive already, then you've got that stuff going on. It's possible all three of those guys actually tested positive in Denver. But somehow the Nuggets didn't get nailed, and it seems like we're now far enough away that most of the other Mavs didn't get nailed. So they just keep on playing. Porzingis is back. Dallas is a four-and-a-half-point road favorite against a red-hot Charlotte Hornets team. From a gambling side, I'm fading the team getting their superstar back. I don't like the fact that Charlotte's been playing well because this line would have even been higher. But from a fantasy standpoint, don't start Porzingis tonight if you're in a games cap format. He's probably going to play 12 minutes. What do we think is the maximum there? 17? I'd be really surprised if Porzingis went over 17 minutes. Once he gets into the 20s, you can start him because he's that good. I would say watch this game. Not for Porzingis. Not for Willie Cauley-Stein or Tim Hardaway Jr. or Trey Burke or whoever's going to have to fill in for the Mavs that are most of whom are missing. But for LaMelo Ball, you guys got to see what I saw. You have to see it. He is special. Even when he's playing poorly, there's something cool happening. He really does leap off the screen. You got to watch it. Um, you can keep an eye on P.J. Washington. He's been playing better for Charlotte. Miles Bridges, who I, I still think is probably a drop with the way he's played lately, but, you know, monitor. Milwaukee, Detroit, Bucks, 11-point road favorites against the Pistons. We don't know. It sounds like Derrick Rose is probable for this game, so he's likely back. What does that do to Delon Wright, who's been seeing as many minutes as his body can handle and still somehow managing not really to put up fantasy value? I guess he's just never going to get his confidence back. Delon Wright, you got to shoot every once in a while. But trust me, it changes things. You feel better about yourself. Do the Stuart Smalley uh, thing. Feel, feel good about yourself. Um, with Detroit, no massive changes, I expect. For Milwaukee, uh, Bobby Portis has been playing well. I do think that's coming back down to earth at some point relatively soon. From a, a gambling standpoint, this is the third time these teams have played in 10 days. That's pretty weird. Detroit's, uh, they covered one, they lost 10, they lost by 10, they lost by 15. So they covered one, they did not cover the other. And this line is right smack in the middle. So we shall see. I like Detroit, by the way. Brooklyn, six-point favorites on the road in New York, taking on the Knicks. I like the Knicks in this one. For Brooklyn, uh, this is part of a stretch, a, a relatively grueling stretch, by the way, of basketball games. The, the Kyrie Irving stuff is kind of hanging over them, although they were able to make that nice comeback and beat Denver yesterday. But overall, this is a fatiguing run for the Nets. And let me explain that a little bit more because we don't often pay super close attention to that, but this is the end of a five games in seven days stretch for Brooklyn. They had Philly and Memphis back-to-back, -back, a day off, Thunder, a day off, and now Denver and New York back-to-back. -back. And that's basically the most exhausting run the NBA will put together in their current scheduling format. So this is a massive fatigue game for Brooklyn coming up today. For the Knicks, 
they'll probably call this a little bit of a rivalry. Probably means more. Rivalries always mean more to the underdog, right? I like New York in this one. Um, Fantasy-wise, no real surprises here. We're just hoping, hoping beyond hoping that Nerlens Noel will somehow play his way to doing something. But right now, he's not. And he belongs on waiver wires, unfortunately. That's a wasted pick at the moment. That sucks. Memphis at Minnesota. Timberwolves favored by two and a half, total of 222. Grizzlies just sort of slowly plunking along, trying to get what they can with no jaw and no JJJ. Minnesota back at uh, mostly full strength these days. I, I think Cat is questionable, but I bet he'll play. He really wants to play this year. I know that there's a lot of the emotional stuff happening, but I think having missed pretty much all of last season after a, a, a hot start, he was out for most of the year, He really does want to play with Russell. He wants to see what this team can do. I like Minnesota here. I think they're playing better. And I think Ricky Rubio being more involved has been a nice part of that. Still, I I want to see Rubio's minutes consistently get up and over 22. That's what's hurting me. He's not quite there in 22 minutes. We need 25, 26 to get the assists, the steals up to a high enough threshold to cover up for the fact that he's not going to take any shots this year. Lakers, seven-point road favorites at Oklahoma City. Lakers are steamrolling teams right now. But I think you got to look at the Thunder. I think you got to look at the Thunder later on today, though. I guess the question in this ballgame is, from a gambling standpoint, do you bet it now and assume that the Lakers are going to rest either LeBron or Anthony Davis or even potentially both? I don't think it'll be both. I think they want to make sure they win. So you might see both guys play, actually. They're healthy enough, they'll probably do it. Thunderside, you're probably going to see Horford rest. You might see George Hill rest, and this game could get out of hand pretty quick. Uh, but I think the Thunder put up a fight. They, they were sluggish yesterday against San Antonio. First game back home is always a thing. This is that second game back. Lakers, they should be feeling pretty good about themselves. They sort of got riding a little high yesterday. Uh, I think this one, they're going to have a fight on their hands. Clippers hosting the Pelicans. Oh, fantasy-wise, you know, we don't really care about those. Lakers, nothing much, really. You can box score check. Thunder, well, if guys rest, you'll probably see more Hamadou Diallo. You might see some more Mike Mascala if Horford rests, which, heaven forbid. Okay, Pelicans, Clippers, Clippers by 7 at home. Same total of 218. That's interesting. Lakers game, Clippers game have the exact same lines and the exact same totals. I like the Pelicans a little bit in this one, but I'm not betting it, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I think the Clippers know that the Pels want to come in and make a statement. I, I think this is one of those... The one thing that drives me back towards the Pels again is that the Clippers seem like they're having some slight identity stuff. Are they running? Are they half-court? Who are they right now? But they could very easily cover this seven points. Pels haven't been very good lately either. But this is kind of their wake-up part of the trip where the Pels have the Clippers, and then they have the Lakers. So you know they're going to be, the attention's going to be up. Fantasy-wise, I don't know if there's anything at all. Lou Williams played better, but his minutes are still down. He's not a nine-cat guy. Portland is in Sacramento. Uh, Kings, three-and-a-half-point underdogs. They got creamed by the Blazers a week ago. So it's a little surprising to see such a short line. It opened near six, and it's been coming down ever since. Total of 236. Yusuf Nurkic likely out. We shall see. He's questionable with a quad contusion as of this morning. 
Uh, we'll get uh, we might even have more information as I'm talking to you right now, but dig that up after the show. That's part of the reason the line has come down. I think the other half is that the Kings finally woke up. They're a very streaky basketball team. They were last year. Looks like they'll be it again this season. And they woke up against the Pacers in their last one. They finally did play a better all-around game. Defended a little better. Pacers are good, man. They slowed them down enough to get the win. Offense was better. Defense was better. I think they bring that into this ball game. You may see a shootout. You might. Uh, but I think the Kings actually. I think the Kings actually win this ball game. Fantasy wise, there's uh, not a great deal. I mean, you know, it seems like Marvin Bagley is locked into that 25 minute role, which is not good enough for nine cap value. You can hang on there a little bit longer if you want, but I don't know that I necessarily would. And Ennis Cantor is going to be a hell of a stream. I would say. I mean, in 25-ish minutes, if that's what we think he's going to get, that's more than enough for him to pile up, you know, 14, 15 points, 10, 11 rebounds, and that'll be good enough because he's a good percentages big man. And there you have it. That's your shortened Wednesday card. COVID shortened, 10 games down to 7. Here's the thing, though. I'll, I'll leave you guys with one more thought on all this scheduling stuff. I, I saw a lot of tweets this morning before I hit record on uh this on, on this podcast uh, where people are like oh that's seven games postponed already like seven is a big number and it's not it's not a big number it's a 72 game season and every team you have to cut the 30 in half cuz there are two teams in every ball game but you're talking about a 72 game season with 15 pairs of those 72 games. Everybody plays 72 games, but they all play each other. I hope that makes sense. So it's 15 times 72, which is roughly 1,000. It's a little bit more than that. Postponing seven games out of 1,000 is not that many. And this sort of goes to both sides of the argument, where some people, some people are like, you got to shut the whole thing down. Yeah, okay. Um, pausing the whole league for a week would probably be the quickest way. I'm not quickest. It's not the right word. The simplest way to try to get out in front of this thing. You just pause everybody and, you know, restart exactly one week from today. Pause this thing, test everyone every day for seven straight days. Anybody that has it, they're out until they don't have it. Everybody that's healthy, you just start playing again on the 20th. Yeah, that'd be pretty easy. But I don't think they're going to do that. Because right now, if they can continue to just postpone one or two games a day instead of six or seven, they figure they can schedule those back in. They have a completely unscheduled second half of the year. And people are like, oh, well, you know, teams are going to have back-to-backs and back-to-back-to-backs maybe. And yeah, it's possible, like, you know, a team like Boston here is having multiple games postponed in a row. Wizards are going to have that multiple games postponed in a row. So, yeah, things are going to get a little bit hairy, but we don't even know what their schedule is going to look like in the second half. I would say anytime Boston was going to have multiple days off between basketball games, they'll just slot one in there. There will be plenty of time. I promise you guys there will be plenty of time to reschedule these missed games. So, to that side, I say, yeah, you're probably right, but the NBA doesn't want to do it. They don't want to pause everything for a week. They want to get as many things in as they can while they can because you just never know what's going to come later. That's the other part of it. If you postpone everything for a week, what if you hit another small outbreak? 
Do you keep postponing? Do you do it every time? Does the season now run too late? And you're stuck starting next year later than you wanted to? So they don't want to do that. They want to try to do the the postponement. So the folks are like, seven is a ton! I would say to you, not out of 1,050, it's not. Not out of, not out of 1,100 basketball games, seven is not very many at all. So we'll have a couple more postponements this week, I would venture to guess. Some of these teams, the Suns, you know, until we know whether anybody on that team contracted it from the Wizards, they'll probably have another game postponed. It's the right thing to do, and it's pretty easy to reschedule a couple of ball games. If baseball can do it, and I know they canceled a few in that one, but if baseball can do it, basketball can do it. Because there are days off in between. I would invite you, to those of you that are worried about the scheduling side of things, to just look at your team's first half schedule and see if you can find a spot where you could plop in a game. I can. Brooklyn has two days off. Brooklyn actually has a stretch where they play one game over four days, between January 14th and January 17th. You can play a game on the 15th there. Yeah, you'd have four day, four games in five nights, but that's doable. Could they do it again slightly later on? Yeah, there's another spot for it, February 2nd or 3rd. They got a spot in mid-February around the 12th. They got more towards the end of the month. Like, in just in the first half of this season alone for Brooklyn, and this is with the season fully scheduled right now, you know, they could reschedule a game in a month. You don't even have to do it all in the second half. So there's plenty of time. Don't worry yet. It's more important to try to get out in front of this thing, and assuming they can't just pause the season for a week, postponing a few games here and there is not that big of a deal. James Harden's Saga Tracker is on, ladies and gentlemen, as we take our leave from you on this fine Wednesday morning. I am Dan Bespris. Thanks, as always, for listening to Fantasy NBA Today. Please do, once again, I ask you, give me a follow on social media, at Dan Bespris. And if you've been enjoying the pod, please, 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 subscribe. Subscribe. Drop a five-star review. Helps us a lot. You're the best. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.